This is something I began to talk to you about last week, and I want us to pick up from where we stopped. We are looking at next level commitment, and we are looking at four major requirements for next level commitment. What's the next level commitment? Last Sunday, we looked at intimacy, the price of intimacy. And our text is the book of Luke chapter 13, and we're going to start reading from verse number 24. Luke chapter 13, verse number 24. We're looking at next level commitment for major requirements. Father, we thank you for the entrance of your word. The Bible says the entrance of thy word bringeth light and understanding to the simple. And so, Father, we approach your word humbly this morning. And we ask in the name of Jesus that you will speak to every heart today. I pray you would make my tongue like the pen of a ready writer to declare your word here today. And I thank you that not one person will leave this place the same. In the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone say... Amen. Have you found the gospel of Luke chapter 13? If you have found it, say amen. amen. I want us to read from verse number 24. Strive to enter through the narrow gate, for many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you. I want you to say that with me. I do not know you. I do not know you. That's important. Say it one more time. I do not know now, this is the master responding to these guys that are asking him to open the door. I want you to notice they said, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to them, I don't know you. That is where we looked at last week. We looked at the price of intimacy. I do not know you. Look at verse 26. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence. Is it not interesting? These men will say to him, we ate in your presence. We drank in your presence. In other words, they were in his presence. But interestingly, the master says to them, I do not know you. How can you drink and eat in his presence and yet not be known? That's a question to answer. How can you eat and drink in his presence yet he doesn't know you? It's, they said we ate in your presence, we drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. So all these ministries that... That the Lord did on or in their streets did not impact their lives. And I want to say that the fact that you come to church Sunday in and Sunday out does not guarantee anything. Just like the scripture that I asked you to recite, Hebrews eleven six, it does not say he that cometh to church on a Sunday morning. Rather it says he that cometh to God. That is why we've got to make up our minds whenever we come to the house of God that we're not just coming to hang out. We're not just coming to fulfill a religious duty. We're coming to meet with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Every opportunity we have to come to church is an opportunity to know God deeper. 
It's an opportunity to go into another realm of his glory. The Bible says, as we behold like in the mirror, the word of God, we are being transformed. In Acts we behold like in the mirror, the glory of the Lord. We are being transformed from one level of glory to another. So we have the opportunity this morning to go to a whole new place in God. We have the opportunity this morning to allow him change us by his word and by his spirit. So the fact that someone shows up in church does not mean anything. Praise God they came. But it is important that I begin to help people change their attitude when it comes to attending church meetings because it is not the guy who comes and sits on the pews that will be blessed. It is the guy who comes with faith. It is the guy who comes with a hunger. It is the guy who comes with an expectation. It is the guy who comes with an understanding that every time you come into the house of God, there is a possibility that something big happens in your life, that God is about to take you to a whole new level. God's about to do something in your life that has never been done. God's about to take you to a place where you know him personally and intimately. A lot of people in the church do not know him personally. What they have is church relationship, but they have no personal relationship. You preached, you taught in our streets. Look at verse number 27. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you. I mean, notice he repeats that in verse number 27. I tell you, I don't know you. I don't even know where you're from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. That is our focus today. Everyone say it with me. All you workers of iniquity. That is the focus that I want us to look at today. Now, last week we talked about the price of intimacy. I want to say intimacy. And I painted a picture before you, I told you that it is not possible for a man who is married to live in one city and his wife lives in another city. Now, if that is the case in any marriage, you know what's going to happen? That marriage will fall apart. A marriage where the man lives in one city and the wife lives in another will not thrive. They say out of sight. It's out of mind. You've got to live in the same house. If the marriage will thrive, you've got to live together. This is just the truth. Now, I do understand that there are situations that happen in people's lives. And I understand that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm actually talking about how people can be stupid and they intentionally live away from their spouse and expect the marriage to work. Marriage is designed in such a way where you must live in the same house with your spouse. It's called marriage. For this reason shall a man leave. His father and his mother. And cleave. The word cleave is to join. And cleave unto his own wife. And both of them shall be one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. No man there does not just mean an external person. No man also means you. Let no man also means you should not separate what God has joined. Come on now, somebody shout hallelujah. Now, I'm not here to beat anybody up. I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to condemn. I'm just telling you how this thing is structured in the Bible. Are you listening to me? 
this is how it is structured in the Bible. And I wonder where Adam was when Eve was tempted. I suppose if Adam was there, Eve wouldn't have eaten the, the not apple. The Bible does not say eat an apple. He wouldn't have eaten the fruit. He wouldn't have eaten of the tree. Amen. Thank you for your suggestion, but it's not an apple. The Bible does not say Eve ate an apple. She ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God had told them, don't eat of this tree. For the day you eat of it, you will surely die. But if Adam was close by, I suppose Eve wouldn't have eaten because Adam would have said to the devil, this is my property. You have no business in this place. And Adam would have exercised his dominion over the serpent and driven him out. Are you listening to me? So God has designed it in such a way where anything that's called a relationship thrives when you are in close proximity. Anything called a relationship. Even the guy you call your best friend today, the moment you leave the country and you go somewhere else, you discover that the relationship begins to dwindle. It is not as strong as it used to be. Why? Because out of sight is out of mind. It's a fact. The same thing with God. In your relationship with God, you've got to understand this. If you don't pray for a week, you're going to feel somehow. If you don't read the Bible for a week, you will, you will discover that something seems to have been missing out of your life. Why? Because it's called a relationship. It's a daily living, breathing, it metamorphoses. It grows. You, you, you evolve in this relationship with God. You're growing. You are expanding. You are getting to know God more. You're getting to know the things of God. The more you open the word and the more you read the word, the more you discover the treasures in the word and the more you discover who you are in him. Amen. Come on now, somebody say amen. amen. But people don't want to pray. One week they haven't prayed. One week they haven't even opened the Bible. Unfortunately, some people, they pick out their Bibles from the shelf on a Sunday morning. They haven't read it in six days. And they wonder why they come to church and they still don't understand what the preacher is saying. Listen, when you come to church on a Sunday morning, you are coming to church to also add to the church what you have in your life for the last six days. You're not just coming to receive, you're also coming to give. Do you hear me? So we talked about the price of intimacy. Everyone say intimacy. There is a price to pay to stay intimate with the Lord. And this price must be paid daily. Come on, say amen. amen. The price must be paid daily. In other words, there must be daily communion in prayer. Every day you pray. I say you pray every day. Okay? Don't let one day pass by without having a conversation with the creator of heaven and earth. Come on now, somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Every day you read your Bible. Pastor God, with this such a simple message. Yes, it is the simplicity that brings the power. I'm not here to complicate your life. Read the Bible every day. Growing up as a kid, we used to sing the song, read your Bible. Pray every day. Pray every day. Pray every day. Read your Bible. Pray every day if you want to grow. This is a song we sang when we were kids. Come on now, say amen. amen. And how true is this? Read your Bible, pray every day. 
if you want to grow. But if you want to diminish, don't read your Bible and don't pray every day. And I guarantee you will diminish in the things of the Spirit. One moment you're feeling anointed. Next moment you're feeling annoyed. Because the anointing is gone. I'm telling you right now, you've got to stay anointed every day. Psalm number 23 says, He anoints my head with oil and my cup runneth over. The Bible says, I shall be anointed with fresh oil, not stale oil. Some people are living on the oil of last month. No, the Bible says every single day I will be anointed with fresh oil. Praise the Lord. Don't be drunk with wine, Ephesians 5, wherein it is excess. But be ye being filled every single day with the Holy Ghost. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to God. That was the prize of intimacy. We looked at that last week. Now let's look at this today. We're looking at the price of living orderly. There's a price to live orderly. I want you to notice Jesus said to them, all you workers of what? Iniquity. I want you to write this down. Iniquity means gross immorality. Gross immorality. Iniquity is gross immorality. It's injustice. It is wickedness. That's what iniquity means. Gross immorality, injustice, wickedness. Devran, give me more on the monitor's place. Iniquity is gross immorality. It is injustice. It is wickedness. Now, listen carefully. This is definitely not the kind of things hyper grace teachers want to talk about. Hyper grace teachers and speakers do not like to talk about iniquity. Because there is this idea, if we talk about sin, if we talk about iniquity in the church, people will not be excited. We are not here to excite people. We are here to preach the truth of the word of God. The Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Yes. Come on now, say amen. amen. So hyper grace teachers, motivational, motivational uh, speakers do not like to mention these stuff. Because if they talk about these things, you know, people will uh, not be happy. And so they want to always preach to a happy crowd. This message this morning might not make you happy. But I guarantee this message will challenge you. Amen. And when you leave this place today uh, with the challenge that comes by this message, you are going to make some adjustments in your life. Because you can be happy all you want, but if the adjustments are not made, you are not free. Are you listening to me? Amen. The word of God needs to come in such a way where it brings about change in our lives. And every time we come, we need to let the word of God change us. Are you listening to what I'm saying right now? Amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. So there's got to be a balance. I believe we have to speak words to encourage people. I believe that. But if your message is all about encouragement, 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 then you are walking that extreme. That's not the way the word of God is designed. Are you listening to me? It's, it's good to walk in the narrow path, to walk in the middle of the road. Not this extreme and not that extreme. Some people, my goodness, it's encouragement all the time. Some people, it's judgment all the time. No, there is a, there is a right path 
to follow. When you bring the word of God, there is a right path and there is a, there is a center of the road. You walk the center of the road and you bring the balance of the word to the people of God. We live in such a time where people don't want to talk about sin anymore. They don't want to talk about wickedness. They don't want to talk about injustice. But these things are happening even in the church. Come on now, I'm preaching good. Amen. Amen. And so the fact that you are a minister of grace does not mean you cannot talk about sin. In actual fact, when you study the Bible, Paul reveals to us that he was a minister of grace. Paul the apostle, his ministry was the ministry of grace. Look at Ephesians chapter 3. I want to prove that to you. Paul refers to himself as the minister of grace. What is grace? Well, the concept of so many people on the subject of grace is mind-boggling. Some people think grace is a big cover-up. Do whatever you want. God's grace is abundant. No, the Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. You know what that means? That does not mean keep sinning. That means when sin is strong, the grace of God is stronger. Where sin abounds, grace superabounds. Where when sin is strong, there is even a greater grace to overcome. That's what it means. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that have died to sin live therein any longer? Can you see that? So grace is not the cover for sin. A young man said to me, Pastor Godwell, I'm sure my 90% will be blessed after I have tithed from my money made illegally. That is gross deception. For someone to think that if they tithe 10% of illegal money, the, the 90% is blessed. You mean if you sell drugs and you bring 10% to the Lord as your tithe, God blesses 90% of the drug money? Or the internet fraud money? Or the, the money swindled? Absolutely not. The Bible said, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that he shall reap. And it's time for the church to preach holiness again. Okay? Oh, the church. No, the church must preach holiness. Because if, if you tell people what, what excites them, they come back. No, I'm not here to tell people what makes them come back. I'm here to tell people what changes their lives for eternity. But when it's all said and done, I want to be told, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter now into the joy of the Lord because you have raised the right people for the kingdom of God. Amen. Come on now, say amen if you believe what I'm preaching this morning. Paul was the minister of grace. Look at what he says in Ephesians chapter 3 verse number 2. If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God. I want to say the grace of God. Now the word dispensation here is the same word for error. This is an error. This is an error of God's grace. We live in the dispensation of grace. We are no more living in the dispensation of the law. But the fact that we live in a dispensation of grace does not mean we take the things of God for granted. 
Because grace is not the big cover up. Grace is the empowerment that comes from God to live right. My message today is the price to live orderly. And there is a price to pay for us to live right. Come on now, say amen. Amen. So you're not to just do whatever you want and I say, okay, there is grace. We live in the dispensation of grace. We can do whatever we want because we live in the dispensation of grace. Absolutely not. Doesn't work that way. Are you listening to me now? I'm preaching good. Say amen. amen. So look at what Paul said. If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. Do you see that? So the man was a preacher of grace. He said this dispensation of grace, this message of grace has been given to me, Paul, for you. So what was it Paul preached? What was his message? The message of grace. But hyper-grace, as many have carved out a niche for themselves, hyper-grace is this grace that does not talk about sin. It's well with you. Your life will be greater. Your best life now. Ten things to do to have the best. And, no, and nobody is... Listen, if I give you ten things to do to have your best life now, We'll have to deal with some stuff that you're doing right now that does not glorify God. We have to deal with some things that you, some ways of thinking that negates what God is about to do in your life. Are you listening to me? Ten things to do to enjoy your best life. Uh, Maybe five might be all the stuff you need to get rid of. Because God is not the one stopping you from being blessed. God is not the one holding anything away from you. Your best life now? What do you mean by your best life now? Your best life now is in Jesus. And the best life that God has made available to you in Jesus was made available 2,000 years ago. So your best life now means that you have to make some adjustments to come into what God has made available to you in Christ. Because these things don't just fall on the laps of everybody. There are things that must be done. People talk about, I keep saying this, people talk about Catherine Kuhlman. Catherine Kuhlman, what an amazing woman of God. When she walked into the place, the glory of God filled the place. But do you know what she said? She said, Catherine Kuhlman died a thousand deaths. You think she carried that glory for nothing? She was just sleeping at home one day and here comes the glory. And she began to walk in such glory and such power. When she walked into the room, the atmosphere changes. You think it happened overnight? No, she had to pay a price. And one of the major things that she had to do was to get rid of the man she had married. Because she had married the wrong person. She had married someone, I believe the man was married, when she also got involved with the man. She had to break off that relationship so that God could use her. And I believe it took about 14 years for her to come to that place of the power and the glory of God. You talk about paying a price. I died a thousand deaths. You know what it means to die a thousand deaths? It means, it means there were probably 10, 1,000 things that she had to die to. 
And some of you are still fighting to die to one. <laughs> I told you this message is not a very exciting one today. But I'm not here to preach an exciting message. I'm here to preach a message that will challenge you to take your, take your own life in your own hands and say, I'm going to change by the word and the spirit of God. Amen. Enough of playing games, enough of playing church. Amen. People get emotionally walked up and boom, it, it changes the whole thing. And then you wonder, why am I like this? Why you are like this is because you have refused to change. Here comes the enemy. He dangles that thing again. The same thing. He's always dangling that. Three months ago, he did. Three months later, he's doing it again. And you're trying to eat the carrot. And you know the devil will never give you the carrot. I mean, if you know what I'm talking about, this is an idiomatic expression. He dangles. You know what it means to dangle a carrot? Hey, take it. Hey, take it. I mean, if you played that game growing up as a kid, you hold, you hold up an handkerchief. And then you come and you try to get it. The guy lifts it. And moves it away. That's what the devil does to people. Two months later, he does the same thing. Two months later, he does the same thing. You never get it. And you still don't realize that you, listen, it's not even the devil. It's you. The biggest enemy to the believer is not the devil. It's the believer. That's what the Bible says. Walking the spirit. And you will not gratify or fulfill the desires of the flesh for the flesh is constantly fighting against the spirit so that you are not free that's galatians 5 the flesh is always fighting against the spirit so that who is not free you are not free so which means if you put the flesh down and you allow the spirit to rise up and you walk in the spirit Every day, you will be what? Free. 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 You don't go on vacation. Today, I'm just going to walk in the flesh. <laughs> I'm done with this whole thing, walking in the spirit. I'm not walking in the spirit today. I'm going to walk in the flesh. And do you know this? Do you know this? That you can walk in the spirit for five solid years. But one day you decide to walk in the flesh. You destroy everything you've done in five years. I'm telling you right now. That is the reason why messages like this are important. This is not candy message. Fluffy message. That just gets people happy and excited. This is the meat of the word of God. When you decide that you're going to live for God. You will come into places in God that many will never come into. Is somebody listening to this? Yes. Go with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. In actual fact, you are already in Ephesians 3. So uh, just flip a couple more pages. Ephesians 5. And I'm going to read from verse number 1. This is a long read and I want you to listen carefully. Ephesians 5 from verse number 1. Have you found it? Yes. Therefore, now, now I'm showing you because Ephesians 3 shows us that Paul was a minister of grace. I want to say grace. Now, Paul, the minister of grace, is the same guy who writes Ephesians chapter 5, where we're going to read. So you see that the man was not just, not present grace like the way hyper grace teachers present grace today. 
where you don't talk about iniquity, you don't talk about sin, you don't call people to repentance, you don't do any of those. In actual fact, if you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want to know more about Jesus, we have somebody in the break room that will speak to you after the service. You can just go meet them and they'll talk to you about Jesus. No, you're going to give people an invitation to come to know Jesus and they're going to do it publicly. Come on now. Talk to one of our workers in the break room. No, you're going to come up here and give your life to Jesus and surrender to Jesus and announce to the whole world that you are a child of God. And you are going to be ready for water baptism. And we're going to take you and dip you in the water. And announce to everybody that comes to look at what is happening on that day that you have made a decision to follow Jesus. No turning back. Amen. Praise God. Amen. All these secret disciples, I don't get it. <laughs> I mean, it's just secret, secret. Do it secretly. You know, let's not talk about sin. Let's not talk about, let's not talk about living right. Let's not talk about fornication. Let's not talk about, let's not mention these things. Oh, these things are gross. You cannot say this from the pulpit. Who said that? The devil is saying it all the time. And the devil is not just saying it. The devil is, the devil is showing it all over the place. You live in some places, you cannot, you have to plead the blood of Jesus every time. Blood of Jesus. Blood. I was in Italy. Oh my goodness. And I'm not shooting at people in Italy. But I was, we were ministering in Italy. When our pastor friend took us around, and I think we were in Verona. And oh my goodness. Oh my blood. My, my Jesus. Blood of Jesus. You, you, you literally. You, you, people are sitting right in front of you. All exposed. So you, you, have to, you have to find a way. You, you've got to find a way. You've got to find a way to look away. And it doesn't matter. To them, it's normal. You live in some places, you have to keep pleading the blood of Jesus. That's one of the things we talked about in, 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 uh, in Armenia. We, we said, because uh, we drove all over the place in, in, uh, in the city, Yerevan. But uh, Harut and the family were such a blessing to us. Just drove us all over the place. And I observed two things. I said, number one, the people here don't smoke a lot. In actual fact, all my time there, we spent 11 days in, in the city. I probably saw... In one hand, I probably can count the number of people that I saw smoking cigarettes. Yeah, very good. I, know, I observed that and I, I told them. I said, I can observe. It's like three, four people that I saw in the, whole, the whole time were there smoking cigarettes. Now, I'm not saying they don't smoke at home, but on the street. Here, you, you have to do this because there is smoke all over the place. They smoke, up, they smoke up the street. It's terrible. Yeah. Yesterday I was getting off the metro and the guy who was standing right beside me. I mean, you know, the, the, the metro gets to Osmambe. We, we were not out. We were not even out. I mean, you have to come out of the, of the, the car, right? 
and then you have to walk up and climb up and come out the exit before you can even light up a stick of cigarette, correct? We were still standing. The door of the metro was not open. The guy brought out a pack of cigarettes, brought out a stick of cigarette and a lighter. This guy's probably in his 20s. So you cannot wait. But this is the bondage of Satan. It's the bondage of the devil. You can't smoke it until you leave. You need to come out the exit before you can even light that stick of cigarette. But just to show you the way things are. So that's number one thing I discovered in this city, Yerevan, in Armenia. Second thing I discovered, the girls dressed nice. They, were, they dressed well. I mean, the, the heat and the humidity there was terrible. Terrible. Yet, the girls dressed well. I observed that. Because you are in some places, my goodness, you have to. Lord, have mercy. <laughs> you even want to pray for some girls. As a man of God, you have to do this. Put my hand on the head. No, I've seen Pastor Corey. And one day he said to me, he said, I didn't want to pray for her. Everything was out. He told me in the office. He said, I didn't want to lay my hands on her. She came up here for me to pray. Everything is out. And I, I didn't want to pray. Because do you want to pray? You're a man of God. Fact. So you're coming to church. This is the house of God. And I see some pictures. Don't let me start on this one now. Even on Facebook and Instagram. And <laughs> Pastor God, what business of yours is this? Why are you even touching this subject? No, Paul did. Let me show you. Watch this now. Ephesians 5 and verse number 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Tell somebody, I'm a child of God. Exactly, you are. So the Bible says, God, Paul says, imitate God because you are a child of God. Verse 2 says, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. Watch this verse number three. But fornication, well, fornication and all uncleanness, all covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Verse 5 is very, very telling. For this you know. Everyone say you know. You know. Now, why would he say you know? The reason why he said you know is because he has taught them well. Don't forget this church was here in Turkey. The church at Ephesus. For this, for this you know. You know this. You know this because I've taught you. You know this. 
that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater. Now, why did he say a covetous man is an idolater? Well, a covetous man is one who, who venerates money above God. And anything you put in God's place becomes your God. That's why it says a covetous man is an idolater. Oh yeah, when you talk about idol worship, guess the thing that comes to the mind of the average person. People that bow before a piece of image. You think, oh, an idol is this image that people bow to. No, an idol is not just an image that people bow to. Idol worship is deeper than bowing before an image. Idol worship is anything you venerate. Above who? When something takes the place of God in your life, the thing is an idol. It can be TV. Anything that takes God's place. So God must be first. Nothing should take his place in our lives. Can someone say amen? amen. So money can be an idol. Success can be an idol. Education can be an idol. Even your children can be your idol. Come on, I'm preaching God. Oh, I have children now, you know. My commitment to God will not be like it used to be. Are you serious? Come, let me pray for you so that you don't have another child. <laughs> Something is wrong. Something is wrong when the blessing of God becomes an idol. You know, I've got a lot of money right now. I have so many clients, it's hard for me to go to church. Come, let me pray for you so that God will take all the money away. So that you have time for God. The blessing of God should stir us up to serve him more. The blessing of God should encourage us to serve him more. God never gives you a thing to cause you to turn your eyes away from him. But whatever God gives to you is a sign to say, I want to give you more, but I want you to do more. Amen. Can someone shout hallelujah? hallelujah. So, Read that again. For this you know, everyone say you know, yeah. that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Are you seeing that? No one like this will have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Look at verse number six. Let no one deceive you. With empty words. Let no one lie to you. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Because of, because of which things? Hey, talk to me. Because of which things? Oh, no, no, no. The things that we just talked about in the previous verse. Let's read it again. You see, don't miss it. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, which things? Let's read it. Let's read it for verse number five. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of God and of Christ. Because of these things, which things? 
the things that we just talked about in verse 5. These are the reasons why the wrath of God will come upon the sons of what? Disobedience. Look at verse number 7. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. In other words, don't do these things they do. Because the wrath of God is coming on them because of these things. So guess, guess what's going to happen. <coughs> Excuse me. God is a God of justice. I want to say God is just. Yes. Now God's justice requires that if he punishes this, he has to also punish this. You didn't get that. Oh my goodness. That's why Paul is saying these are the reasons why God's judgment is coming upon the disobedient. So you, 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 a child of God, don't ever forget you are a child of God. You can't be involved in that. Because these are the things that causes God to bring his wrath on them. And if you do the same things, you can't have God be just. When you say justice in any nation, it means you judge everybody equally. God's justice is not partial. Is that correct? Think about this. Somebody was saying the other day, you know, a, a brother was having an issue with a Turkish guy. And someone said, you know, uh, because you are an African, you cannot win. Now, the just, that's, a, that's the wrong thing, by the way. That's not true about Turkey. The man who said it is speaking out of absolute ignorance. If you have a case, I don't care who the person is. If it's within this country, the, just, the justice system demands that justice is served. Color or no color. Correct? Yes. Exactly. That is justice. Now, if that is not the case, as we know in several other places, that is injustice. Is that true? God is just. God is not unjust. So Paul is saying to the church, these are the reasons why the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. <laughs> do, do not do what they do. Look at verse 8. For you were once darkness... But now you are light in the Lord. Now you need to walk as children of light. That is probably the best thing some of you need to hear this morning. You were once darkness. In other words, you used to be in the kingdom of darkness, but you have been brought out of the kingdom of darkness. Therefore, these things that control the ungodly should not control you. Because now you have the light of God in you. And because you are a child of God, you have grace and ability and power to live the life that God has called you to live. Amen. These things that bind people shouldn't bind you. Amen. These things that pull them down shouldn't pull you down. Amen. You don't have to live like the live. You have a much higher standard. And grace is available for the believer in Christ. If it wasn't possible, the Bible would not say it's possible. For you were once darkness, but now you are light. Tell somebody, I am light. I am light. I am light. I am light. And the Bible says, let your light so shine. Let your light so what? Let your light so shine. I am light. I am not darkness. I don't walk in darkness. I don't do things that belong to the kingdom of darkness. I am light. Oh, Pastor God, you are so proud. No, I am not 
proud. I am only telling you what the word of God has made available to me in Christ. This is not pride. This is not pride. This is declaring what is available to the believer. Tell somebody I live right. Tell somebody I live to the glory of God. Because I am not in darkness. I am in light. And notice the Bible says you were darkness. If you were darkness, it means you are not darkness anymore. Come on now say amen. Amen. You are not darkness anymore. You are now the light of God. You are now the light of the world. The way you live, the way you carry yourself, you need to carry yourself like the light of the world. When you hang around your your friends, talk like the light of the world. Come on now say amen. Amen. Don't live a life of compromise. Live a life that brings God glory. You might say, but Pastor God, everyone is doing it. Everyone is not doing it. Don't let people lie to you and tell you everyone is doing it. You can also do it. You don't have to do it. And if everyone is doing it, then you be the Noah that will say, I am going to be righteous in my generation. Come on now, say amen. Amen. If everyone is doing it, then you say, I will not do it. Because majority don't always carry the vote. When it comes to God, it doesn't matter who is doing it. If God says it's wrong, it's wrong. Are you listening to me? And no matter the rate of inflation in the world, the wages of sin is still death. That never changes. Are you listening now? We can live for God. Tell somebody we can live for God. We can. We can. Even in in this time and in these last days, we can live for God. And I'm telling you, my friends, there is no better time to live for God. There's no better time to shine. Because you shine brighter in the darkness. Shine for God in your school. All the students here, shine for God. Don't do the stuff they do. Don't wear the stuff they wear. Don't go to the clubs they go to. Come on now, say amen. amen. I'm going to the nightclub. You know, my friends go to the nightclub. You know, if I don't go to the nightclub, they're going to peer pressure me. You peer pressure them. Amen. You tell, I'm a child of God. Amen. I'm sorry, I don't go to places like that. You come to church with me. Amen. Where is church? Come, I'll show you. <laughs> Take them with you. Bring them to the house of God. Amen. Come on now, somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. One of the things I learned early. In actual fact, I was still in Nigeria when I learned this. That the moment you get to a new country, the first thing, one of the first things you need to do is to tell the people around you who you are. If you don't preach to them, they'll preach to you. So when I just came into Turkey, one of the first things I did was preach. In my house where I lived, I introduced prayer to everybody that lived with me. Everybody. Some didn't like it, but I don't care. And I was the youngest in the house, but I I was bold. Listen, when you're a child of God, you are bold. You're not afraid of people. What will they say? What will they say? They may not like me. Okay, I don't like you too. I mean, what's the big deal? If you don't like me, I don't like you. We don't have to get along. If you know what I mean. I didn't say I don't love you. I said I don't like you. you. You don't have to like everybody. Come on now, say amen. Amen. So I learned this. I learned this early. If you go to a place, preach to them first. Or else they'll preach to you. 
If you don't preach to them, if you don't let your light shine, they'll start telling you, hey, let's do this, let's do that, let's go meet that girl, let's go to this place, let's go to that place. So none of them could tell me that. Why? Because I preached to them. I preached to them. They brought a girl to the house and they, when, you know, I mean, you, you feel uncomfortable when you have a Christian in your midst. You say, uh, respond well if you believe what I'm teaching this. <laughs> no, really. Your presence should convict them. They can't just do whatever they want. You are the light there. Come on, say amen. Amen. And let your light shine. Let your light shine. Tell your neighbor, let your light shine. Praise God. Verse 9 says, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and and have, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Have nothing to do with darkness. If you notice, it says the works of darkness are unfruitful. There's no fruit in sin, man. There's no fruit in all these things. No fruit. You're going to hurt your own life. There's no fruit. There's no fruit in being promiscuous. No fruit. No fruit. You from this boy to that boy to that boy to that boy to that girl to that girl to that girl to that girl. No fruit. You're going to hurt yourself. No fruit. No fruit in living that kind of life. No, no fruit. No fruit in sin. The only thing it brings is destruction. And God loves you so much he doesn't want you destroyed. That's why you're hearing this message today. Tell somebody there's no fruit in sin. But there is fruit in righteousness. Look at verse 12. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. It's a shame. You don't want to to get involved with shame. Anything that's shameful should be far from us. It's shameful to even talk about this. Verse 14. Therefore he says, awake. Everyone say, awake. 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 Verse 14. Awake. You who sleep. This is the problem. This is the problem. Many are sleeping in the church. When you wake up to the truth, sin will have no power over your life again. Many are sleeping. This is why revival is the only answer. Revival will flush these things out. Revival will burn the fire of God in you. These things will not hold you back anymore. Revival is the key. That's why you come to this place. We are a church in revival. Amen. Amen. Revival is the answer. No, revival is the way to get these things out of the church. Revival is the way to get these things out of your life. Awake. Those that sleep. Awake. What does it mean to wake up? You're not dead. You're, you're, You're sleeping. And there are so many sleeping in the church. So God is saying, awake, wake up. Tell your neighbor, it's time to wake up. Come on now, say amen. Revival wakes you up. Revival puts a new fire in you. Revival kindles this fresh fire. It burns in your life. And everything that the enemy has done will just burn off. By the fire of revival. Revival is falling in love with Jesus again. And when you are truly in love with Jesus... You will not be in love with all this other stuff. Come on now, say amen. amen. Revival is the key. Revival is the answer. 
And revival means wake up the church. The church is sleeping. Wake the church up. Enough of sleeping. You're sleeping too much. Hey, I'll slap you. Wake up. Wake up. Do this to your neighbor. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Praise the Lord. The key is revival. The answer is revival. Can someone shout amen? Amen. The answer is revival. Revival begins with me. Revival begins with me. Say it with me. Revival begins with me. Say this revival starts in my heart. Lord, change my heart. Revive me. Set my heart on fire. Let me never be the same. I don't want to be cold. Set me on fire. That I may burn for you. Burn out of my life. Everything of the flesh. Lift your hands to him right now. Revival. 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 Wake us up, Lord. Wake up the church. Wake up those that are asleep. Wake up those that have given up on you. Wake up. Wake up those that are slumbering, oh God. Let the church wake up. Let your people wake up. Wake them up, I pray. The Spirit of God is waking people up. Wake up and stop sleeping. Get on fire. Get on fire. Get on fire. Get on fire. There is a price to pay to live orderly. There is a price to pay for intimacy, to have intimacy with God. Get hot. Get on fire. Don't play church. Don't play games. Don't play games. Don't play religious games anymore. It's time to get rid of every impurity. It's time to get rid of unrighteousness. It's time to get rid of every sin. It's time to kick these things out of your life by the grace of God. The fire of God will help you. The blood of Jesus will wash you. You don't have to leave like you came. You can cry out to God and say, God, please do a walk in my life today. I want to fall in love with Jesus again. I have become lukewarm. I have become cold. My heart is cold. My heart is lukewarm. But today I pray that you will set my heart ablaze. And let, let my heart burn on, on fire for you again. For many it's worldliness. Many have become so worldly. Worldliness don't mix with godliness. Worldliness don't mix with godliness. Worldliness don't mix with godliness. Lord, burn worldliness out. Burn it out. Burn it out. Burn out worldliness. Living like the world. Playing the music of the world. Dressing like the world. Acting like the world. Come out from amongst them. Be ye separate. And I will receive you and you shall be my sons and my daughters. And I will be your father, saith the Lord. Lord, burn it out. 
Burn it out. Burn it out. Burn it out. Burn it out. Burn it out. Let, let the hearts of your people burn afresh with the fire of God. Thank you, Jesus.